can't we can't take a week off from doing a podcast. I know I'm rusty. Well, I wasn't even talking about the rusty part. I was talking about the Red Wings. Just bad luck. Yeah, they're rusty too. <laughs> uh, I mean, we talked about. I mean, to before we even start, I mean, we'll uh, kind of intro in a little bit. But uh, welcome to another uh, episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And yeah, so we had a. Uh, we just got off with a nice interview with uh, Trainwreck's very own Carson Gates talking about the 8-3 shellacking of the Red Wings by the Sabres. Uh, definitely a tough one to swallow, and we had fun talking about the Sabres with Carson Gates, so, I mean, stick around for that. But, um, yeah, the Red Wings are uh, showing signs of last year, and concerning – Yes, but also I think we need to factor in depth right now as we're missing a bunch of key guys. But again, is the effort like what is your concern level right now with like just the effort and the team in general? I don't want to be so quick to say it's huge, but there is a concern about these multiple games. I think it's three out of the last four games have been by four more goals, which is completely outright unacceptable. Um, especially to like Buffalo, <laughs> which yeah. is a team you're you're pretty even with, and New Jersey you're pretty even with. I would say New Jersey's better, but um, it just can't happen. It seems like they have no road legs at all. I mean, you saw that specifically against Boston and Buffalo. Um, you get down a couple goals and they just look completely deflated. Yeah, the we were praising them early on. I mean, the last episode we were talking about the L.A. game where it looked like things we could have been getting into a, a rhythm like that, but they kept working their way back and got a point out of it, which is what you want. Obviously, you don't want to see a loss, but it's nice to see the team putting in effort, but since then, we've had a bunch of games that are concerning. I mean, we even start with the Chicago loss. That was emba- that was downright embarrassing. It shouldn't you can't you can't lose to a, a bottom team like that. You need to beat a bottom again, team when you have a two goal lead in the third period. Yep, very bad, very bad. There's definitely some concerns right now all over. Um, I don't think I don't know what I want to start with first. I think the obvious I think to start with is the defense. Um, as the last game, as a, as a whole, the whole team's, the whole team defense was just bad. Um, what have you been your thoughts so far on the pairings overall, like as the years progressed? I think pretty obviously that Heronic and Mata have been the best pairing as a, as a group. I'm not saying individually have been the best, but as a, a unit, they have been by far the best pairing. Yeah. Um, Olimata has brought a brought back Phil Peronic from the dead, essentially, in my eyes, which was my hope going into the season. And it was like an out there hope because I know how good he had been, specifically with like Chris Letang. Um, he's just stable. You know what yeah. you're going to get from him, and he doesn't make that many mistakes. Um, the Lindstrom and Hag pairing had been okay, not bad. Probably one of the probably bottom 10 third pairing 
is in the league. Um, against Buffalo, they were probably the fifth, 58th best third pairing in the league. Um, yeah, something gr- like that. Granted, they're not, there's not 58 teams in the NHL. That's where I would assume they would be around. Um, <laughs> they were horrendous. And um, Cider and Sherratt don't look great together. Yeah, this game is definitely a really good example. I, I, I said this during our interview with Carson, but um, that was the worst game I've seen more at Cider play. Overall, and he still finished plus one, which you mentioned in the interview as well. Um, but there was multiple occasions where he's it looks like he's still trying to overcompensate for his partner when he doesn't need to. And it also looks like Sherratt is not used to he has not no idea what they're doing. Um, I didn't mention like I didn't I haven't mentioned this really yet, but um, what drives me nuts right now with Cider is it seems like he loves to commit to the other side for a hit when the defenseman's already there leaving a guy wide open. Yeah. Wait, it's driving me crazy. There was uh, there was a bad one in Buffalo that Ned actually bailed him out on. But I mean, we look at the Jeff Skinner goal. Clear breakdown, he he goes right into players and it's turned over and nobody in front as Sherratt was behind the net ready to support. Yeah, he, for he's for back complicate things. Yeah, he's he it looks like he's trying to do too much as he's as the points aren't coming. Which I know can be frustrating for a young player, but again, like process over, like uh, yeah, process over points right now is what we're focused on. It's tough, and again, for a young defenseman, it's not always a linear progression in the NHL. And I don't think he's been, I don't think Sider's been bad overall in the year. I think he's just been, he's been solid. But there have been points of concern where I didn't see in his game last year. Yeah, which agreed. Yeah, I mean, he's also he's still 20-21. Bound to happen. Um, Sherratt, I thought that was also his worst game in a Red Wings uniform. He's he's comes as advertised in the sense of he loves to play physical, but sometimes that's at the cost of playing the puck. Yeah, as he loves to chase hits, and that ends up causing problems for us sometimes. Again, sometimes it's hilarious and ends up working out very well for the Red Wings, as he just bullies guys, but. When it comes to moving the puck up the ice, it's sometimes troublesome. I, w- I would be curious to see uh, a defensive line change uh, when there's more pieces to be moved around. Right now, you don't really have much that you could do with the lineup, especially if you want to keep Mata and Ronek together, which I I am I want them together. Um, it's almost a waiting game on Wallman. What would you suggest then? And unless unless you want to bump Osterly up with Cider, which is kind of hectic, but they played quite a bit together last year, and uh, they Osterly didn't play terrible. Um, what would I suggest? Yes, it would depend on how Wallman's doing early on, but maybe a flip flop of Wallman and Sherratt with one of then Sherratt with either. Hag or Lindstrom, Hag, Osterley or Lindstrom. Lindstrom. Yeah, rotate those guys. I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm just worried about you've committed this much money to Ben Sherratt, and we're now hiding him on a third pair. It's not a point of hiding him though. It's a point of trying to get the best out of each of them, right? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Putting him in the right role to succeed again, you can't 
yeah, separating the contract from the player is sometimes hard. And again, the Red Wings haven't had that. We haven't had this conversation since like a like a Franz Nielsen, Justin Applicator. So it is kind of funny to, to think on that now. But, but again, I'm not there yet with Sherrod. I, th- I still think he's a it's a good signing. It was worth it. But again, it just kind of seems like right now him and Sider are still trying to figure each other out. Which yeah. maybe more more time we're not having the same conversation. Maybe more time we're like, oh, this is great. But yeah, I, I agree with the Mo, the Mata Heronic thing. I, I think to get the best out of Heronic, you kind of need to have Mata, who's just such a safety blanket. And again, he's been he's been the best defenseman, I think, on the team so far this year. Yeah. In terms of consistency, I mean, look at he's been was something we weren't thinking of as his point production, which I think he's uh, he's close to tying his total from last year. He had eight last year. He has six so far this year in nine games. Yeah, that's quite funny. It's not like it doesn't look. It's not like he's like doing crazy things or anything. It's just like him moving the puck up and the puck ends up going in. But I mean, hey, he's doing. He's making the right plays and he's getting rewarded, which is which is nice to see. Um, yeah, kind of going to the the forward core. I guess to kind of go. Should I keep, should we keep going negative or go mix in a positive right now? I'm good with whatever. All right. Uh, since we were talking about Ben Sherratt in terms of a kind of negative thing, how have you felt about Andrew Kopp so far this year? Mm, not great. Yeah. I've what kind did, of what... seen, seen nothing from him. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Like, uh, how have looks... you felt? It... Yeah. How have you felt of him as like a center? As a center? Uh, the same I feel about him as a wing. He's been slow and provided nothing but a dead hole offensively. And he's been good as a penalty killer. And that's about it. He's been a good third to fourth line player. And he's not playing in that role. No, no. He's been, uh, he's probably, sorry, I'll go as far as to say he's been an average third liner to good fourth liner. <laughs> He's an offensive black hole right now, and it's it's worrisome a little bit. Yeah, again, I kind of want to reference back to, like, I think last year we said we weren't happy with Pew Suter's offensive game, and he ended up finding a little bit of offense. But, yeah, I agree. So far – I'm worried and, that we're comparing Pew Suter to Andrew Cobb. I agree. No, no, I, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying in reference to, like, a conversation we had last year and, and Pew Suter ended up being a little bit better than what we were thinking. But Andrew Cobb, yeah. You would think almost 10 games into a season, you would overcome an injury that you were overcoming during the preseason. You know what I mean? So I like, I think that excuse is a little bit overdone. The excuse has been overdone since like the third game of the season. And I think you were going to go as far as to say, especially when Brad Marchand scores three points on you after a double hip surgery. You took the words right out of my mouth. It is way overdone. And I'm sick of hearing about it. You took the yeah right out right out of my mouth like that was exactly what I was gonna say, um, but we kind of had the conversation of putting Ben Schrott in the best scenario to succeed. What would you view Andrew Cop's best scenario? Like, what well, where would you do with Andrew Cop right now? <laughs> um, man, I love this question. <laughs> uh, right now, I think I would put him on the wing. With like Joe Valeno centering him and whoever else, someone else that has some speed. Right. I am like shocked by how like 
much pace he lacks right now. I don't know if it is this this rust that I've heard about for the last three weeks, but man, um. <laughs> just never ending rust. This oh, rust, man, this rust ain't going anywhere. It's tough. Uh, <laughs> some you know some real tough rust to get out, but um, yeah. I, I'm I'm I think I I would like to kind of see a, a switch to the wing for a little bit just to see if he can spark something. Now, obviously not long term because again he's signed as a second line center. You want to see him as a second line center. But I have thought that I did think against Buffalo he generated his most offense. But again, that's not saying much considering the game. Uh, but he is lacking pace, which is a concern. And he's also not like I thought maybe puck possession. Like if he's going to lack pace, maybe puck possession. He's not really like standing out to me in that sense either um i would like him on a, on the wing with larkin and raymond yeah i just who got two real skill guys play with pace opening andrew cop up maybe for some more space again and kind of plays a i want to see him getting the get involved a little more physically too which he hasn't really done as yeah. that was kind of like a thing that like i mentioned before about like in terms of like his game but because again, we're gonna have Michael Rasmussen back next game. You can either go Valeno or Rasmussen, bump them up a line. I've actually liked Pew Suter's game overall this season, but I kind of want to see him. I want to do Soderblom, Ernie, Suter line. I kind of want to see that. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I'd like a big mix up in the forwards, to say the least. I'm, I want lots of mix up. Overall, like there's been there's been three forwards that I've been pleased with all all season. I actually I should say four because I think Soder uh, I keep adding more. Sunquist has been very good overall, besides the one game against New Jersey because he was injured and he looked very bad. Shouldn't have played probably. Um Soderblom is a rookie, should not be held against him. And I thought he's looked fine considering. What do you mean shouldn't be held against him just because he's a rookie? I like in terms of like playing bad, I think I think he's been I think he's been okay. I think he's been okay too, but I, I don't think there's a such thing as shouldn't be held against him because he's a rookie. I think there's been um, way too many turnovers in his game, which I get that he's a rookie. Those are going to kink itself out, hopefully. But, I mean, you got to try to find best fit for him right now too. Yeah, definitely. And if that if that is in the NHL or if you send him down, which – Right now, I think with injuries and stuff still, I think the best answer is NHL because he's going to get the reps, but maybe at some point you're having a conversation. Yeah. Um, but no, the three I, I've been very happy with overall is Larkin, Perron, and Kubelik. Mm. I'd go as far as to say I've been more happy with like Volano over Larkin. Really? Yeah. I've I've loved Larkin. I think Leno's been very good almost every game, um, providing what I have expected from him and then some. Um, Larkin kind of has been a ghost sometimes in the moments when you need him the most, which can't be said about about Kubelik and Perron thus far this season. Like I think Perron has showed up when you need him the most in a game where you're losing by three goals and. You need a spark or two goals. And you need a spark. Can you um, say the same thing about Larkin though against Buffalo? He scored. He scored the third goal. The third goal after make it make it after, make it after yeah after the team was already dead when it was four to one and and even four to two there was no life. Yeah, Bron scored then, that goal then, too. 
That's what I'm saying. I said Perron has been there every step of the way when you need him. And when the team is dead, he's coming up in big moments. And he's still working his ass off. Where I can't say the same completely about Larkin. Like it just seems like he's just deflated when the team is losing by that much. And then they hopped they hopped back into that game, and that's when Larkin scored that shorty. That's what I'm saying. Perron sparked all that. I'm saying energy-wise and pace and just work ethic hasn't been there for what I see from like even Kubalik, Valeno, and Perron forwards wise. They are to me, when things are bad, they are the players I'm noticing the most in a good way. Okay. I can your logic there. I can like get behind. the Boston game, Larkin was an absolute ghost. Oh yeah. From me. Oh, by the way, I should mention I was at that game. Uh identical score to the last time I was there. So maybe I should have maybe this is a sign to stop giving T D Garden money. But hey, what are you live and you learn? Um I did get to see the elite Adam Ernie score goal, so that's a bonus. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with like kind of that sentiment. Um, I would like to talk positively about Dominic Kubalik though and how great he's been. He's been fantastic. Way like we kind of were down, we, we were calling him like probably like our like a the one the free agent signing like we were kind of like puzzled by the most. I still liked it, but I like the upside. But again, I was just kind of like, really, like where's he gonna fit? Um and again, he's been he's been since the preseason, even like he was fantastic in the preseason, he's carried right over. I really love his, again, his effort that you brought up and his tenacity, like on the four check, which is something I didn't really see in his game that often. Even his playmaking ability too is underrated. And it's weird. You give him, you give him some prime power play time and look what happens. Yeah. He's really starting to put up, like he's, he was, he started putting up points. I mean, I think he leads the team right now in points at 11, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He's tied with Larkin. Tied with Larkin. Okay. I mean, still, if we would have had this conversation in July, at this at this point in the season, you probably have been we probably would have been a little confused what's going on. Yeah. Um. No, I've it's been really impressive so far with how how much value he's truly brought to the team. Um. But yeah, I, again, the team right now is in a bit of flux. Uh, it was nice to see though, and against Minnesota, I mean, that was a big that was a big bounce back game. I thought um, two one win, good defensive structure. Um, I did love Raymond getting on the board. That was great, and I thought uh, Adam Ernie actually filled in quite well in the first line for that game. Mm-hmm. The the Buffalo game obviously did not work again, so it shows maybe you can do it one game, but not uh, two games in a row. But um, I think we've kind of found out who our starting goalie is. Yeah. It's Vili Huso. Uh, the team plays, and again, maybe this isn't completely fair to Alex and Alkovich, but it seems that in when the team is playing in front of Vili Huso, they play way more structured. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, again, Grant, you calling it the John, Jonathan Bernier effect of just playing a little more calm as he's a more calming presence behind, like in the crease. But it's it looks like night and day. Yeah. And I, I can't lie, like, Nat Elkovich had a really good game. Which game? It was against New Jersey, his first game that I thought he played really well. After that, he has not done himself any favors. No, and he's making some big saves against Buffalo even, but there were, some of those goals were just so bad. The Dylan Cousins goal especially. 
Yeah. That length out really bad. We look at the um the the second New Jersey game where he also played in. It was the the one where he tried to play the puck and fumbled it. Again, yeah. it, not good. Too many errors. And we again we saw the Red Wings go. I mean, they went. Huso was part of the five one loss to Boston, but again, three power play goals against. It's hard to really fault a goalie for that. Um. And I didn't really like. I didn't really think there was that many goals. I was like, okay, that's on who. So, but then he, he the follow up with the starter treatment. You go back to you go back to back games, and the Red Wings get rewarded again. He's I I think the Jimmy Howard, Jonathan Bernier comparisons, like how he plays stylistically, is so fitting for him. That he's never he's never really out of position. I the only concern I really have is like his rebound control. Sometimes he kicks out his rebounds very far out. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little scary. But um, yeah, Philly Huso is the guy right now, and I think the Red Wings should be treating him as the starter. Yep, and I hope that carries over. Um, as I'm, I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit ago, but the penalty problems too. We've been relying a little too much on the PK. A little too much on the PK. Way too uh, much. The Boston game really started it. Yeah, even a little bit of the New Jersey game, too. I mean, we think back on that's where the streak ended. Um, Rasmussen, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, Rasmussen, he's going to be coming back from suspension. But obviously, he took a bunch of penalties in the Boston game, but then gets suspended for his high stick on David Krejci. What did you think of the decision for two games on Rasmussen? I thought it was pretty ridiculous. Um I think a fine should would have been fine. Um, I don't know. It's really not something that should have ever been a thing. I was in full favor of the fine, as it's it's completely careless of the stick. Like he smacked him right in the face. That's not good, and like he came down hard. You gotta you gotta pay attention to what you're doing with your stick. Um, what I didn't like is how the department of player safety con- continues to be a, an absolute joke when in terms of setting stand setting standards. Yeah. If getting Kuznetsov literally smacked a guy in the face, like two hand looked him in the eyes, smacked him in the face and stick only out one game. Rasmussen obviously was adjusting, came down again, haphazardly and gets more an, an additional game on top of that, which on a play that's really, it's shouldn't be really argued that it was, was, was worse. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of a, I mean, George Perro stay hot, but again, weird, weird times. And again, uh, I think I saw something the Red Wings haven't, haven't been um, on the, how, how do I say this? Not the receiving end, but like they haven't, had a player that has done anything to them that has received a suspension since 2018. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They, they're just kind of a weird stat. If you really think about it, like that's, I'm not saying the refs like a, or the NHL department of player safety is like rigged against the Red Wings or anything, but it's just kind of a, in a vacuum, you're like, Oh, okay. Weird. Very weird. Um, but no, the Red Wings, there are some question marks and I am, again, this is kind of, this is where Derek Lillon's going to make some tough decisions, and I, I, I'm curious to see what he does to get the team out of this. I am very curious. As a couple losses in a row, we're getting away from what he would call his 
system and being defensively sound. I'm again, we have some tough, some tougher teams that we're playing right after Buffalo. I mean, Washington's on Thursday, Islanders on Saturday and the Rangers on Sunday on a back-to-back. So do you kind of see a bounce back coming back for the Red Wings or how do you view kind of the next three games going? Mm, I think there's no, they should win against Washington. And then uh, those are two tough games on the weekend. You got to take one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I'm looking at it too. You got to take, you got to take Washington. Um, Got to take the, I, I think, I think you got to take the Island. Oh man, it's tough. I want to, I want to say, I want to take both, but the Rangers are a good team. Let's not kid ourselves, but yeah, I would like one of those games. And then you follow up with Montreal and the Rangers again, right after that. And it's just, the Reddings have a very favorable schedule to start the year. And this is where you really need to put in points again through nine games have a, a four, three and two record. Isn't that bad on face value for, I think it would have been, if you would have asked me this, like to start the year, I think this has been pretty close to what I would have said. So, but I, I think it's just like the start that they had the team, how they were looking, how they were playing. And it's just, it, is, it feels like a disappointment at this point. It is a disappointment. They shouldn't be four, three and two. No, especially the Chicago game. That, that one drives me nuts. Yeah. I think the, this the Buffalo game is, I think this might have a more sour taste in my mouth than the Arizona game last year. Mm, no, not quite. I don't know. It's just a whole different team, whole different coach. And I, I think this one, and I also, there's hope at this point where last year during the Arizona game, I guess in overall, it didn't really mean anything. Yeah. And we got the Eisman meme of him being all grumpy under his breath. So that was kind of fun. Um, I don't have anything else. Uh, do you have anything else to wrap up? I do not. All right. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Carson Gates. When I invited our guests on the show this week, I was really hoping that it'd be like last year. And, you know, we can kind of hearty har har about the Red Wings being the Sabres again. But I definitely wasn't expecting this. Uh, very tough loss to the Buffalo Sabres last night. It's still very raw. We have a bunch of emotions, but uh, here to join us and maybe gloat a little bit. Uh, Trainwreck's very own Carson Gates. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. I'm, I'm sorry you can't see my big smile over the airwaves right now. What's bigger, uh, Tage Thompson's size in general or your smile? I mean, I, I would think Tage Thompson because he's like 6'6", but after after the win, my, my smile is feeling it's pretty big. I'll be honest. I was it's like not, a six seven smile. Yeah, may, maybe six eight on a good day. Depends who's asking. Yeah, if it's on Tinder or not, right? Yeah, six nine then. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god, but yeah, uh, yeah. Welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. And Carson is like our only guest that comes on, and that's like how I kind of want to keep it for now. Um, just to like talk Atlantic, and I mean, obviously he's a good friend. And this is our. I think we were talking about this right before. This is our third buffalo wings centric episode but then we also had our crazy unhinged off-season draft episode which uh as we were talking about before maybe ryan fuke hears this and uh anthony stolar is being traded for the second overall pick was definitely a out there take close it was close I yes i love um, in that kind of world i i do too honestly maybe that's what is that what the is that what goes on in long island is just that's the fantasy world we live in I'd rather do that than watch the Islanders. So that's fair. Ooh, true, true. They don't play defense anymore, so it's like I don't know what they know. Nobody knows what to do now. Yeah, they, 
little flip on their their whole whole strategies. Yes. So we should we just, we just get right into this, right? Just right Rip into the, the band aid off. Yeah, for me, you you're excited. Eight three, yeah. eight three, and I was feeling really good about coming into after a really good effort in Minnesota for the or not in Minnesota against Minnesota for Detroit after a couple ugly losses, and this was very much a Blashill era loss, and it's been a concerning factor over the past honestly six games mm-hmm. and just as a i think we should start with the buffalo perspective like what's been going right so far this year because obviously buffalo detroit ottawa we're all kind of in the so kind of all in the same tier of team and mm-hmm. on their come up what's yeah. been going right and why is buffalo ahead of detroit and ottawa so far the biggest thing so far especially by noticed in the the game with detroit has just been compete level and compete level for the whole 60 um the sabers team from top to bottom have really just worked hard the entire game it's really paid off and I don't know if it's just because the score just kept getting worse and worse for the Red Wings but they they were checked out of it long before the game ended and that really reminds me of the Sabre scenes from years ago where once one thing wouldn't go their way it just would snowball from there and that's been the biggest thing I noticed this year is they haven't had that snowball from period to period and game to game where they ended their western road trip with two losses and normally this team might kind of fold from there but they bounced back they grinded out a game against Chicago, won that, and then beat Detroit the way they did in the most recent game. And that's kind of been the biggest thing is their stars have started to step up. Tage Thompson started off slow, red hot right now. Rasmus Dahlin, red hot. They've taken the next jump in their progression. Guys like Jack Quinn, who scored. JJ Paterka have also added some nice secondary scoring and some young, some young life to this team. Yeah, kind of going off of Tage Thompson, because, again, I think we've talked – we talked about it a lot last year when you came on. Mm-hmm. how his breakout season switching to center out of nowhere and all of a sudden him finding his game um, then to being the talk of the summer, arguably as I mean, there's no off season topics. And then he signs a seven year, 50, $50 million deal. Um, I want to like, obviously perspective being what, you know, obviously now he's starting off, he's found mm-hmm. his game, but in the summer, how did you feel about that seven year contract? I, I loved it initially because we locked him up, but it was just so scary knowing what, what could be like another Jeff Skinner situation where, yeah, it's great he's on the team, but we're paying so much more money than we need to to have him there. And for so long, Buffalo, after losing like Drury and Briere in free agency so many years ago, fans are scarred of losing high-end talent for nothing. So I think management's kind of been overreactionary since then, and especially with Skinner, like overpaying someone just to not lose them. But I think Tate is really earning that contract obviously and then some recently he started the season off slow fans were scared you know fans are especially buffalo twitter very reactionary and like oh no here we go again but he got his luck back started scoring obviously getting long assists and i'm i'm happy he's locked up now it's, i'm feeling a lot more relieved about the contract it wasn't just a one-year thing knock on wood i think grant and i like we talked about it right away. I think we found that like, obviously Dylan Larkin's a, U- a UFA coming into the season or coming into the next off season. So we were like, well, this bodes well for Larkin, but also we did see the upside in the Tage Thompson deal. I think we both said it was a risk, but also we understand the yeah. you know, what I think Buffalo we disagreed kind of a little bit on it. I, I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I think so. I I don't know. There was too much. I know you're you're a you're a big Tage guy. I know that I am. He's 
he's really good. He's well, just so t- I mean, I mean, common theme for the Sabres GM is they even signed uh, Matthias Samuelson to that seven-year deal after one year as well. So it's who knows uh, what does it, how many games was it? How many games was it? Like sixty some uh, game handful. Not he basically so, played like half a season. So I, I was listening to it's actually kind of perfect that you kind of segue into that. I was listening to Jeff Merrick today on the I think it was yeah it was the Jeff is Jeff Merrick show. I don't know if you listen to that. Um, he does his radio show every week. And he was talking about how Sam is it Sam Ventura that does the AZ analytic guy for the oh, Sabres? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he worked with Pittsburgh previously mm-hmm. and he always pushed those long-term deals for guys who that he liked fondly for analytics. And the biggest one was John Marino in Pittsburgh signing a signing a defenseman who didn't have that many games to a long seven-year deal at a really good cap hit. Now look at it. You're you're like this is a solid yeah. top four defenseman. And he also pushed for Tage Thompson as well, to my knowledge. Yeah. John Moreno has been fantastic. So <laughs> I'm hoping hoping that bodes well for Samuelson. I mean, whatever. Well, all I've seen out of Samuelson, I'm like, I've liked his game. He's very raw. But, like, again, I see this. Yeah. I mean, the size, skill. Yeah. Awesome defending. Too, Just the two of them. Yeah. Like, Samuelson's very stay-at-home and, and gets the job done, which allowed Rasmus to have some freedom in the, when he went on the five-game scoring streak to start the season. And you kind That's of alluded to that good. And going into this game, you alluded to this earlier about how this team, like the the effort was there the whole game. And both Buffalo and Detroit were in an interesting situation with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Coming in. Like I think defensively, you I think Buffalo is missing three of their mm-hmm. defenders. Three of the top. And Detroit and Detroit's missing, I think Lone keeps saying it, but he says five out of the top seven forwards in ice time. So I mean it's a big hit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, overall, like compete level, Detroit was nowhere in that game. It was it was very much Buffalo. There was a the glimmer of hope when Dylan Larkin scored the shorthanded goal. Yep. But other than that, like there wasn't much. It really was all Buffalo. I think that's where really separates the two teams is that goal there. I think would have deflated the Sabres a couple of years ago. And that basically the Sabres scored it after that. And that just deflated the Red Wings team completely. And I don't know what it is mentally if it's disbelief or something but that that next goal just really ended the game and yeah it was just defensive coverage poor like that was I think that was the worst game I've seen Mort Sider play in quite a long yeah. time the Mort Sider reminds me a lot of Rasmus Dahlin a, a lot especially just like his anger on the ice like he wouldn't yeah. expect it just to be just like a little piss hand but he was just getting out after all games so I think once he can kind of corral that and Use it for good. He's going to be lights out. I it's think just, he's oh, – go ahead, Grant. It's just literally, like, it's so terrible, the amount of penalties. The amount of unnecessary penalties Detroit has been taking, like, the last umpteen games. Yes. The Boston uh, game. Very undisciplined Um, that are completely unnecessary. It's hard to win a game when you're facing five on three. Yeah, okay. Time. Excuse my French, but what the fuck was Alex and Elkovich doing? Yeah, that was yeah. that was outrageous. I thought I, I thought Buffalo was getting called for goalie interference. I was like pumped about going to the power play, and then watching the replay, I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, because I didn't see it in live time at first. No, like, neither did I. I didn't notice it, so like, I saw Nadalkovich fall over. So I was like, "Yeah, I just yeah, okay, you just assume Cousins is going in," and then all of a sudden, the video was one of the worst interferences <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, like how do what in what mind right? <laughs> I don't even know what the hell he's thinking. 
that was that was ridiculous. I, I mean, we're gonna off after Carson, we end the Buffalo talk. I, I there's definitely a Red Wings referendum that we need to get into, but um, no, that was bad. Uh, yeah, going back to Cider, like he is adjusting to having a competent D partner, but also he still doesn't. He's playing like he doesn't trust him. And yeah. Ben Schrott's also playing like he doesn't trust Cider, which is just a very – it's just oil and water right now. Because if you watch that, the one – it was Jeff Skinner's goal. Cider yeah. gets pinned by – he has two guys on him, and he decides to turn back and walks right into a hit, and then it's turned over, and Ben Schrott, it was behind the net for support, and Jeff Skinner's all alone in front. Yeah, that one was really bad. And the worst part about it is they weren't even our most worrisome pairing. Like, Cider literally finished the game a plus one. Which is ridiculous, and I thought he played bad. <laughs> he was bad, and he was I, bad. I, I thought Ali Mata was our best defender, and he has been our best defender. I this actually year. thought Phil had a decent game too. He was okay. The yeah, the bottom pair was definitely the most worrisome. That that was uh, if that bottom pair is, sees any ice time together in the next ten games, I will be upset. That yeah. is just one of the. It's just one of those games you. It's send hard to the pick moon. out one over the other. They were both just so. Oh, they were terrible. both terrible. And yeah. Lindy just swinging his stick open for the best all game. Oh my god! I saw it coming down on him. So oh I saw some man. some Red Wing fan put it in like a, a thread of like all of like the defensive breakdowns. And there's the one with uh, was it Tage Thompson's goal where he's just swinging a stick? That hat trick goal. That was a disgusting goal. It yeah, was, it was disgusting. But it was also Nick Lidstrom's kid, Gustav Lindstrom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Robert Hag, I was kind of excited about Robert Hag going into the season because you know what? Carson Gates gave me a stamp of approval saying, you know, he's a good bottom pair defender. He, he I, has I been like, good yeah. the majority of the season. And this game was his coming out party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, you look you look at the uh the J Fresh charts and all that and like everything else, and it's just like, oh, Robert Hag is not good. Cause I think when he signed with the Red Wings, J Fresh posted like uh Robert, Robert Hag is, 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 is a is a hockey player. Yeah. yeah, is a defenseman. Yeah, but- He'll have a couple big blocks and a couple hits in the game, and you just forget about everything else. He has also has an underratedly hard slap shot. It's a it's yeah. a cannon, <laughs> but he never hits an up. Oh, yeah, no, that. never. I'm not gonna score with it, but it's there. yeah, it's fine. Um, but no, that was it was a really bad game. And I mean, we were talking about the hockey stack card before the game, and I want Brian Lashoff called up. That's what I want. I mean, I my thing. I was gonna I was gonna save this, but I mean, we might as well talk about it now. Why did we go away from? I thought Jordan Osterley played a fine game against Minnesota. We won. I did too. And why? Why do you take him out of the yeah. lineup? I don't understand that either. That was weird. Like he, so Jordan Osterley, Carson. I'm sure you don't know. Like he was kind of our seventh D the whole year. Yeah. He played. He played his first game against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They won. I thought he played fine. He was a decent third pair. And then they take him out for the next game when we had rest. Like I don't. I don't understand what the. And he's played one game. Like he doesn't need to worry about rest. I feel like Ralph Kruger's back at the helm coaching an NHL team right now. That's and like Lalone, like I've this. I've actually like agreed with like Lalone's like most of his decisions I've agreed with so far. I mean, obviously there's a couple ones where I'm like, ah, maybe I do something a little different, but there's nothing been egregious. And I, I still don't think that's egregious. It's just kind of a kind of a puzzling one that you because it's kind of like an old hockey man, like why change the lineup when it's working? Yeah. But actually, yeah, I've had yeah. I've had a decent amount of puzzling ones that just don't make sense to me, which should happen with the fresh head coach. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that one was a little bit puzzling to me, especially when Lindy was a little bit struggling the last couple of games before that and you win a game. Why not keep Osterley in the lineup? Yeah. I feel like we're really just biding time until Jake Wallman comes back. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is supposed to be in a couple of weeks, but yeah, it's not like yeah. a great thing when we're relying on Jake Wallman to save us. Save me, Jake. Yeah. Save us. Um, in the game. He could have. He could have. You never know. He maybe he maybe he would have tied the game. Made it together. Yeah. yeah, I think that would have done it. That would have done or, it. Or Brian Lashoff. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We can't forget about. Brian I don't know. Lashoff. We should never get rid of Dan DeKaiser. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> let's not go that far. Uh, I kind of get back into the Sabres talk a little bit because again, they're way more fun right now, and I don't want to bum me. I want to. I don't want to bum myself up too much before we actually have to talk about the Red Wings, but. Um, in terms, I, I I listened to it was yeah Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman again, and they called the um, the Buffalo goaltending duo. I think it was the um, the oh my god, what's the unsustainable tandem? Yeah. I think that's what the, the term he used. So what's been going right so far for the like? Obviously, when you look on paper, you're like Eric Comrie, you know, um, yeah. Craig Anderson. Well, why is that going right? I think the biggest thing this year is they're not relying on Craig Anderson to be that number one guy. Like last year, he was playing night in and night out at 40 years old. And now I think he's had two starts this year at 41. He's played well in each game. And they're not going to rely on him every night to win games. I mean, overall, the Sabres seems a lot better than it was last year. So he doesn't have to make the crazy saves that they're doing every night. But I think Comrie's just been a nice presence. He'd made most of the saves he's had to make so far. But I mean, it helps when your team scores eight goals a night like that. It makes your life a little bit easier, but right. I think long term, I mean, you got uh, Uka Pekalukanen in Rochester right now, you got Devin Levi in college right now. I think the plan is eventually this goal, this goaltending isn't sustainable. I think most fans are well aware of that. And when that time comes, bring up UPL, give him some games, and let him run from there. It's just when that day comes, we don't know, but hopefully not for a while. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you might as well enjoy it while you can. Yeah. It's been, yeah. 41 years old. He's one, he's less than a year younger than Ryan Miller. Like that. Okay. That you just blew my mind. Yeah. It's just, you oftentimes you or Ryan Fugue will give me a stat. And I, I gave you a stat as well last night that I, I bamboozled you with, which is about the Red Wing game. Yeah. In so since 2020, 2021, the, the NHL has only had, 41 games that a team has given up eight goals. The Red Wings are have counted for five of those. That's bad. It's very bad. So impressive. It's very impressive. Also, that's uh, the stat was from uh, Prashant Iyer on Twitter. So I should give credit. But I've got um, a question for the two of you right now. Not, not to derail the segment. No, go for but, it. But what is a Red Wing? Uh, it's a good one. You make me. You make my fandom. You're calling on my fandom. I think. A yeah, little not, bit. not to like you know, ruin your fandom here. But I, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, what are we doing here? Uh, I don't know. I looking for an answer. I don't yeah. know. I always thought it was just a wing that was red. That's fair. That, that's all I needed that's, to hear. That, honestly, it's probably the best description I could give that's apt. <laughs> yeah, I loved that on Twitter. Like, uh, I think it was like last year that people discovered that there's two wings in the logo. So whether the red wings. I don't think so. Uh, if you look closely on the top, the top of the right corner of the red wing, you can see is the second wing poking in the back. That is two wings or also just be red wing. They are the red wings. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Little, I'm just dropping knowledge bombs on you right now. You, you can't get this anywhere else except the production line podcast. I can That's tell right. You, you can't, you can't definitely, definitely <laughs> it's never been talked about ever anywhere else. 
No. This is exclusive. It's it's really tough being the only Detroit Red Wings podcast. Insider. In, yeah, insider. I'm definitely inside the Red Wings locker room. I know everything. Uh, I, I'm I'm basically like the I'm I cover the Red Wings just like the Toronto media. Like I'm just all over them. I ask super personal questions. Yeah, you're best. It's terrible. And we're best friends. I ask I ask Derek Lalonde if he's you know uncomfortable if he's comfortable in his job right now. Yeah. Yeah. Answer. Yeah. Very much. Very much so. But yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's a shot at Toronto media asking Sheldon Keefe if he feels his job is doing. He's doing a good job, which is. It feels like a little bit early to call that out, but hey, whatever. Slightly. Sound of the like, moon. Yeah, sound of the moon. Even though he has like the best winning percentage ever for Toronto coach. Yeah, and it. Sound of the moon. Yes. Um. So to kind of like wrap up Sabres talk, I want to do some league talk as well. But yeah. um, Darlene for Norris. Yeah. 100%. Pacey's on. He's got six goals, six assists, I think, or something like that. So definitely six goals. It's just who would have thought? Me. Yeah, who would have thought that would have been Eric Carlson and Rasmus Dolly and competing for the Norris early on? Yeah, it's Eric Carlson is like so fun when he's healthy. Yes, he's so talented. He's literally so fun. Him, imagine him and Dolly, Dolly and like on the same team. Stop it. Wouldn't that be kind of like. The fun for 60 would be too much. I think that would be like a really fun kind of uh one-two pairing. Like the I way I want the, I the want way, a team way, I want a team like Detroit or Buffalo to like get Eric Carlson. Just I like how Carlson they're playing they right go now. Three on three overtime with Darlene Carlson and Power as a unit. I think that'd be fun. All all three D. Yeah, yeah, do it. Run all three D. Yeah. You could. And you would be completely fine. Yeah. Darlene or power on the back end to send the other two up and yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're definitely not playing. You're definitely not playing Carlson on D. Someone's scoring. It, it's either going to be us or what them. kind of defenseman gets a breakaway in overtime to score? <laughs> Eric Carlson, I guess. Yeah, I guess that was nuts. Um, but no, yeah, Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, he he broke the NHL record for that. Many, was it you know, five five games, he, five he broke consecutive it at goals? Four, I think, or he tied it up for something like that, and then and he, he broke it at four. You're right. And then he, he one umped it because he's he's just that good. Yeah, and that was like right around where like the Buffalo train really started chugging because they went yeah. into Alberta, which two huge wins there. Yeah, I mean, I think they got outshot one of the games pretty bad. Eric Comrie had an unreal game, mm-hmm. but it's still, I mean, to take even to take two points in general out of those two games, like just in one of them, if you would have won one yeah. of those games, great week. It's a great week. Yeah, I mean, the teams just come such a long way. There's Dolan's stats obviously are better. But his just all around play is just so much more noticeable. His confidence is there. It's just it's crazy what a what a good head coach can do to him. Yeah, remember I think it was like this time last year where we were talking about people being really down on Dolly and he wanted him out, like trade him, which is ridiculous. He was a first overall pick supposed- like in 2018, yeah, and he was still like putting up very good offensive numbers. It was just he hadn't found his full game yet. No, and he's he's there. Like he's he's 22. Yeah. Okay, he's, yeah. he's gonna do just fine. Also, like him and Shashnikov are both having unreal years to start the year, but yeah. Shashnikov hasn't ever took that extra step either. Mm-hmm. He's always been like a pretty damn good forward, and he he's up to like seven goals this year. Hey, our 2018 first rounders are also having really good years. Yeah, <laughs> true. Who was um, your 2018 first rounder? Philip Sedina and Joe Valeno. 
to be fair, Joe Valeno mm-hmm. hasn't had as much NHL experience. I, I he's also thirtieth overall, so it's like not even yeah like that. That one, I'm I'm just joking. I, I felt and like he's been included. better this year than Sedina. oh, he's hundred percent been better than Philip Sedina. That's that's and I've I've loved Joe Valeno's game. Um, what was I gonna say? Also, to kind of back up on your point about stealing two games from the Oilers and the Flames, it's not that big of a deal when you look at how much of a Mickey Mouse conference the Western Conference is compared to the East. Yeah. The Atlantic especially. And the, the Atlantic, Metropolitan. The Metro- besides Columbus. Yeah. Philly's a wagon. <laughs> right now, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to talk about the Atlantic in general because, again, like, kind of goes into is it sustainable? Like, where do you see Buffalo ultimately ending up, Carson? I would – I in my brain – I know what they're on as sustainable long term. I think. Well, yeah, okay. Obviously, not second. Like, I don't think anyone's well, yeah, yeah. second or first. I, I think eventually they they do fall <laughs> to like the first team out of the wild card spot. I think that'd be a really good season for them. Obviously, yeah. ideally, like, oh, I'd love to, to steal wild card that number two, but who knows? It's and especially with with the Sabers team. It's there's just so many really good teams in the East. It's going to be that much better and. I don't know if this team's there right now, but maybe maybe next year we're having that conversation where where they do find themselves in the postseason, breaking at that point a, a 13-year drought. But I think it might still go on one more year. It's crazy it, that, like, to think about your in your life, you've barely seen Sabres playoff hockey. Yeah, because I remember when I was very young, the Sabres were like the eighth seed in the playoffs. I was like, oh, this team's so bad because it was after, you know, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals with Breer and Drury. They're the eight seed. I'm like, oh, this, this team's terrible. I would Bums. kill for the Sabres team to be <laughs> the eighth seed in the East right now. I would give everything for it. That's kind of, I mean, yeah, we're Red Wings are on. This is gonna we're is it's yeah, six six years now. We're gonna be seven likely this year. But um, yeah, feel kind of the same way where we're getting wiped by Tampa in five games. I'm like, yeah, that team sucks, but also yeah. like, I'd love to be back. That'd be so cool. I would love for the Sabres to get swept by Tampa this year. Nothing would make me happier than four games in and out. Just getting schlacked. Yeah, nothing <laughs> every game. That that would just put the biggest smile on my face. I mean, you don't need the picks. No, we so many. I mean, yeah, just look at last year. Your three first rounders that we I we kind of think we talked about maybe the possibility of moving one of them. Yeah, I think and... that's at the deadline. That's definitely something. If this team is close to that wild card spot, I could definitely see. There's a bunch of guys in Rochester right now doing well and overseas. I could definitely see a package coming on and Sabres bring in maybe a, a good defenseman or an, a, some secondary scoring, maybe even a goalie. Who's like your like top prospect to watch? Um, I would say my my favorite one right now is Devin Levi because he's just he's just tearing up right now with Northeastern. But um, with Rochester, Coolidge is – He's so he's been a little slow right now, but in Dev Camp, he was incredible. He was someone when they when they drafted him, I was like, I didn't know too much on him. And then immediately I was like, okay, I, I, I really like this pick. And he's he's someone that was the third, like the bottom of that draft class of the first rounders. And um he's about my, my favorite one right now. I'm so excited. Uh, Grant and I were very high on Yuri Coolidge when yeah. The, yeah. we were looking at the 2022 draft as maybe even like the Red Wings would swing at him on eight just because it'd be funny. And a slow start is kind of uh, 
a hot take for you to even say because I think he has six points in seven games. Uh, it's it's been a while since I looked. I'll be honest. <laughs> I think last, I mean, maybe the last game turned out pretty well, but he was in like the middle of the pack for for the team okay. score, which I guess is good for. Did he pull honestly. a Tage Thompson then? Just have maybe. six points in one game. But I'll have to take a look because it was a bit ago. Um, I don't know. I kind of just want to, if it's not too much to ask, I kind of just want to talk about all the trophy leaders so far mm. at the start of the season. So, like, Carter Hart for Vesna. Um, right? Um, I mean, it kind of has to be, considering how good Philly's been. And, I mean, you look at their expected goals and stuff. Yeah. It's very much not in their favor. They should not be winning this many games. But Carter Hart has, like, a 940. Yeah. He's been then, ridiculous. Like, obviously, McDavid for – the Art Ross, Gabe Velarde for the Rocket. Ah, yes, Gabe Velarde. Remember when people remember he when he was getting put on like waivers? Or no, he wasn't put on waivers. He was just being sent down to the AHL. Yeah, all the time, all the time. And, and then they were trying to trade. Like, they were suspected to be trying to trade him. And then we wanted there was talk about them trading or between the Red Wings, Tim for uh, Zadina, and we were like, God, no, you. I would, yeah. I, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I think I think I did say, I think I did say I'd rather Velarde, to be honest. Yeah. But again, look where we're at. Yeah. No. There's been it's the the storylines so far early on have been very fun. And Sam yeah, Lafferty for uh, the Selkie. Yeah. What is going on there? All the shorthanded plays ever. Assist. Yeah. The one shorthanded goal. I mean, the first game that we haven't talked about yet. I mean, we're not going to cover all the games, but Sam Lafferty had a short-handed assist against the the Red Wings. That's two, Red... two two shorties this year too. Yeah, so I mean, the three short-handed points, which yep. is pretty impressive. Um, Some I think it's about liners. It's about all I have in terms of the game and the Sabers. Um, I just want to say thanks for coming on again. I love being here. It's the best. It's truly, and again, whenever the I think the Red Wings and Sabres probably play like fairly fairly soon again. I mean, they play three yeah. or four times a year. So Atlantic. hopefully, this will happen. This I will happen not. again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, hope, yeah, hope, yeah. Carson's hoping very soon. He hopes it's next game. I but yeah, I mean, good stat night. But I, I did feel bad for my fellow NA three goaltender, uh, Adelkovich. I did the same but... cloth, but <laughs> I didn't. Even at eight goals is tough. I'd rather put it... Carson in there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, but no, we'll, yeah, we'll, we're going to have a conversation with Alex Nelkovich after we uh, get off this. But uh, yeah, dude, thanks for coming on so much. And we'll uh, make sure everyone checks out Carson's uh, stuff at Trainwreck. Mm-hmm. Um, really good Buffalo Sabres site. And yeah, thank you for coming yeah. on. Follow me on Twitter, Gatesy35. And, you know, I'm excited to see the Red Wings grow because they, they've got the good core. It's just putting all the pieces together. Thank you. That was a good, good self-plug too. that. I, I did a really bad job of hosting. So thank you for covering my ass. And you're in Grand Source podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at TPL pod, subscribe to Apple podcasts. Um, check out our partners at inside the rank. Yeah. A lot of uh, good stuff coming up there. Uh, thank you for tuning in for another episode. <laughs>